gentle listeners. Hello, rough listeners. Hello, listeners who fall somewhere on the spectrum between gentle and rough. Hello, everyone. I think that should cover it. Now that you've been thoroughly helloed, I'm Hub, and welcome to Teen Titans Wasteland. If you're looking for an update on my popularization of the slang term space, it's going pretty space. Yes, sir, I'm a real Hollywood tastemaker. I live relatively near the Hollywood neighborhood of Portland, and I assume that's what people are referring to when they use that phrase. At any rate, it's the last day of February, and we normally wouldn't be getting this day, but it's a special leap year, so it's a special leap day. If any of you haven't been checking it out, I know I've plugged it on here before, but I'm going to do it one more time. I just recorded my last podcast for the Black History Month specials that I've been doing. Every day of February, I have recorded and uploaded a podcast for Traveling Through the Bronze Age. Each one has featured the first appearance of a black superhero who debuted during the Silver or Bronze Age, and they are all done now. So if you want to go check them out, you can do that. None of them are more than 10 minutes long, so... I'd appreciate it if you gave them a listen, but you're certainly under no obligation to do so. Now, on to the Teen Titans. The clumsy janitor had used the trash compactor, and alcohol may have been a factor, for now the one-armed man is sporting a new dry mop fist. I think you see where this is going. Here's a synopsis. Teen Titans, number 28, August, 1970. Written by Steve Skeets, drotted by Nick Carty. Teen Titan Roll Call, Hawk. Dove, Mal, Lilith, Speedy, Kid Flash, Wonder Girl, with special appearances by Robin and a strange man in a trench coat and fedora. Hmm. Blind spot. Previously on Teen Titans. After the Titans are unable to prevent the shooting death of a Nobel Peace Prize winning philanthropist, Robin quits the team and heads off to college. The rest of the team decides that the only way to atone for their complicity in the death of the great man is to stop wearing their costumes and vow never to use their powers again for some reason. Under the guidance of the richest, and therefore most trustworthy, man in the world, Mr. Jupiter, the teens take on new members, Mal and Lilith. When Mal stows away aboard a rocket to Venus, the Titans go into space, rescue him, visit the moon, and meet some weird energy bear aliens. While they are returning from space, some lady sees some shady characters doing something in the bushes that she finds horrifying. She flees and the men pursue. But what could the woman have found so terrifying? Butt stuff? Stay tuned to find out. The aforementioned shady characters fire shots at the frightened female. She manages to escape, but drops her purse as she flees. Meanwhile, down by the waterfront, a mysterious stranger is worried about the Teen Titans. He's wearing a trench coat and a fedora, so it's probably either the Thing, Godzilla, or three kids standing on each other's shoulders trying to sneak into an R-rated movie. The mysterious man, or possibly trio of children, goes to the Titans' secret headquarters, but finds that they've not been there for weeks. His, or possibly there, next stop is the apartment shared by Sharon Tracy and Wonder Girl's alter ego, Donna Troy. When Shannon answers the door, when Sharon answers the door, she is in a state of panic. It turns out that she was the terrified lady from the end of the last issue. Sharon's a pretty progressive lady, so those shady dudes were probably up to something a bit more sinister than butt stuff. Dang. The stranger, or strangers, ask where Donna is, but Sharon is way too worked up to answer. Then... The men from the bushes burst through the door, knocking the stranger's fedora off and trench coat open, revealing him to be... Aqualad! Ha! Oh, Aqualad is back! Hooray! Ah, let's just bask in this moment for a bit. Ah. That's good. The newly returned marine teen disarms the pistol-wielding thugs and punches them right through the window. Fuck yeah, he does. 
The thugs run off, but one of them looks familiar to the aquatic ace, although he can't quite figure out where he knows him from. Aqualad isn't the only one having memory issues. It turns out that Sharon was so traumatized by the incident she witnessed in the park that she has blocked it from her memory. Alad stashes Sharon at the Titans' apparently abandoned headquarters and swims up the river to Hudson University to check in on Robin and find out what the deal is with the Titans. Arriving on campus, the amphibious adventurer finds Robin mixing it up with a gang of car thieves. Aqualad joins his former teammate in the dust-up, and the two make short work of the wrench-wielding wretches. During the Donnybrook, something clicks for Aqualad, and he realizes that the thug he recognized is one of Ocean Master's underlings. Aqualad fills the boy wonder in on Sharon's situation and asks where the fuck his buddies are. If Ocean Master is up to his usual monkey shine, Aqualad could use a hand from the Titans. Robin agrees to take him to the team's new HQ at Mr. Jupiter's Robo Skyscraper. Upon arrival, the Titans tell Aqualad that they won't be of much help because they're not using their powers right now. Aqualad calls them a bunch of chickens and punches the shit out of Robin. Hooray! <sighs> Let's hear that sentence one more time. Aqualad calls them a bunch of chickens and punches the shit out of Robin. Haha, <laughs> that's the stuff. Wonder Girl recounts the events of the last few issues and explains that since the death of the Nobel Peace Prize winner, they have vowed not to use their powers. Aqualad tells them, quite accurately, that they're being stupid and that doesn't make any sense. God, I missed Aqualad. Wonder Girl doesn't exactly disagree with him, but repeats that they made a vow. He finally convinces the teens that if they won't use their powers, at least they can put their costumes on and talk to Sharon. Back at the Titans' old HQ, Lilith uses a previously unacknowledged aspect of her psychic powers to go into a trance and read Sharon's mind. We find out that the horrible event that Sharon witnessed was Ocean Master's goons using a ray gun to turn one of their pals into a creepy monster that looks like a giant hairy pillbug person. Dang. That thing is seriously creepy. The Titans agree that that right there is some pretty heavy shit, but they still aren't willing to break their precious vow. Aqualad flips out on them and storms off, telling them that he'll take care of it himself. Good for you, Aqualad. The undisputed greatest teen Titan returns to the scene of Sharon's traumatization to search for clues. He finds a loose, he finds a loose notebook page filled with science words, but before he can examine it further, he is jumped by Ocean Master and his goons. Aqualad rallies and starts beating the crud out of Ocean Master and his goons. Unfortunately, he is so intent on repeatedly punching Ocean Master in his stupid punchable face that he fails to notice one of the goons sneaking up to bop him over the head with a log. Ocean Master decides to go with the old villain standby of tying Aqualad up and leaving him to die from dehydration. Because that always works. The issue ends with our hero tied to a tree, wondering how he'll get himself out of this one. Bummer. But let's not focus on that. Hey, you remember when Aqualad punched the shit out of Robin? Hooray! And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. How's it going, Corey? It's going nice. How are you? I am doing well. So, what'd you think? I thought that this issue was just a delight. It was so much fun. It was like, uh, it was a real relief. I liked the first Kaniger issue a lot. We were introduced to Mal, and that was a lot of fun. And then the second one seemed like a slog, and that he had to a certain extent, painted himself into a corner with taking away the Teen Titans' powers. And yeah, didn't really seem to be working that well. Mm -hmm. I am very relieved that I don't have to come up with something about what Aqualad's up to, because I know what he's up to, man. Yeah, you know damn well what he's up to. Yeah. He said, Beacon, to get that fedora and trench coat, and now he is having a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was so good to see Aqualad back. And I... I really like that Steve Skeets reintroduced him to the story 
it made sense, I thought. it's It seemed like he didn't like necessarily the direction that the Titans were going in terms of, okay, you've got them all in jumpsuits and they're not using any of their powers. Boring. Yeah, but I can't just have them say, this is stupid, we should use our powers again. So you reintroduce a character from previously in the storyline and have him look at it from the outside and say like, what the fuck are you guys doing? This is dumb and you're being a bunch of babies. Which they totally are. And he was always like the mellowest dude of the bunch. And in this issue, he's like super pissed off all the time. He's a firebrand. Steve Skeets had, a think I think, a fair amount of insight as to the character. Because he had been writing Aquaman for the last couple of years mm-hmm. at this point. He also is the guy who wrote the first comic book that I ever read. Which is Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider-Ham, which came out in the 80s, which I was a big fan of. So I am happy to see Steve Skeets on the Titans book. I recall this comic book, I think. It was pretty great. I don't know how well it has held up. I haven't read it since I was a kid. But if you are like seven years old, Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider-Ham is pretty much the funniest shit ever. For all our seven-year-old listeners. For all our seven-year-old listeners. We're sorry about all the bad words. Check that shit out. (laughs) It's fucking space. Uh, Fucking Peter Porker the Spectacular Spider-Ham. Space as fuck. You seven-year-olds, get on that shit. But I'm happy to have Steve Skeets aboard. He also is very familiar with Hawk and Dove. He has been, at this point, writing that series for a while as well, too. Mm-hmm. May have been canceled by this point. I'm not sure exactly on the chronology, but he did write both Hawk and Dove and Aqualad, so it makes sense to bring him onto the Titans at Mm -hmm. this point. And yeah, like I said, I like the way reintroduces an older character to bring a fresh perspective on them and say, this is fucking dumb. Mm -hmm. The one thing about it that... I think was definitely in keeping with a lot of the themes of previous issues was... Well, okay, it's a lot less needlessly complicated. Like, most of the things happen for reasons. Yeah, no, the action seemed pretty streamlined for the most part. Except for... Why were they churning that dude who... At first I thought it was Ocean Master, but it wasn't. It was like a... No, it was one of his cronies, yeah. With a ray gun in some park into this creepy-ass bug... Into Pope. one of the critters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He looked very... He like, kind of totally critters. looks like one of the guys from Critters. Yeah. Um, I don't think that falls into the needlessly complicated story because that is set up for whatever happens in the next issue. Have, and I haven't read ahead, but I think that is decent foreshadowing and makes sense plot-wise. Like, the plotting in this one made a lot of sense with a few exceptions. I don't know. It kind of seemed like maybe they will carry that forward, but... To my mind, it was... I was still kind of giggling about the, the last issue where, where the Sharon, who we don't know she's Sharon at the time, sees two guys in the bushes and is like, oh, no! But um, and, and you thought they were up to butt stuff? It, uh, and it, Well, it turns out that the reason she's freaking out is because this creepy-ass, like... Yeah, because there's critters. a fucking critter on the scene. Yeah, and uh, so it seems like that's the only reason they're like, oh, we got to transform this guy to, you know, move the plot forward to get this girl freaked out. I, we don't know why they had to transform the guy. They had to transform the guy? We'll find out in the next issue, I would assume. Okay. All we know for sure is that fucking Ocean Master is behind this shit, and fuck that guy. He seems like a jerk. Oh, he's a fucking douchewad. At this point, Ocean Master is a character who is Aquaman's fully human half-brother. 
Wait a minute. Yeah. How's that work? Well, Aqualad's dad was a human, mm-hmm. and his mom was an Atlantean. Uh-huh. And when they had a baby, well, they got in the bed, and they loved and loved and loved. No, 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 no. How, and if he's when, his half-brother, wouldn't he be a quarter Atlantean? No, because his dad was human. Oh, and then his dad... <laughs> Had Do I have to explain with, with, with a human with a woman? Human yeah, me. that's how half relations work. <laughs> Corey. Oh, it's so It's not because. Well, I don't know. It could have been the other way. There is no way that his half brother would be a quarter Atlantean. <laughs> well, my math is. Very the math does not work out on that one. Oh, man. I fucking think. If, if one of you guys is some kind of math magician or a geneticist. <laughs> Then fuck you. <laughs> no, what I meant was, yeah, uh, my math is way off. But if it had been the other way, where it had been like the Atlantean, the his uh, uh, the mom, Aquaman's yeah. mom had, then had the been, baby would be either full or half. Yeah, there's no way he's a quarter Atlantean. No, there's not. That was unless somehow I guess if. If it's a highly recessive, yeah, a recessive gene, or I don't know. I guess if his. Dad was like three quarters human. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Like, there's a way that it could probably work out. So I don't want to get any letters from any math magicians, um, or unless it is the math magician from Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors. If you're listening, send me a letter. Let me know how you're doing. I don't remember that at all. Uh, he was the math magician. He was the nerdy kid who was one of the dream warriors. It's like a wizard. Oh, I was just thinking of the Dawkins video, not the actual movie. Ah, uh, you're better off. The Dawkins video was a lot better than the movie. That's a good song. Yeah. Like, so anyway, Orm is Aqualad, Aquaman's fully human half-brother who just decided to put on a scuba suit and had like a specially built suit that lets him go underwater is that how he talks to... Can he control fish and stuff, too? No, he can't do shit with fish. Oh. So he's mad about that, probably. He's probably pissed. The thing is, he doesn't know he's Aquaman's half-brother. Or, I think at this point in the comics, he had found out very recently, either due to amnesia or him not being sure about the parentage shit. Aquaman knew he was his half-brother, but he didn't know. Until issue 50. Until issue 50. You, you read the, 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 little the little editorial box. note? Yeah. yeah. They later did a retcon on the character and post, I think it happened in Crisis, because that's when most of that retcons happened, they made it be that he's an Atlantean, Mm -hmm. and he's fully Atlantean and Aquaman's half-brother, and is the heir to the throne, and there's like more scheming and shit involved. Now, I'm not generally a huge fan of retcons, but what makes sense about that one is that his name is Orm, because that's not a human fucking name. Doesn't sound human. Orm? No. No. Mm-hmm. Don't care for it. Mm. If you're listening and your name is Orm, fuck you. <laughs> Go back to Atlantis. Go back to Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not racist against Atlanteans. Stay. <laughs> I just think you have a dumb fucking name. If you're a human named Orm. Like, that's... I, I think if you're a human named Orm, that's probably cultural appropriation. And you're stealing shit from the Atlanteans. That's <laughs> stupid. I guess, okay. really, okay, what I'm saying here is if your name is Orm 
and you're a human, fuck you. <laughs> Got it. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, so Orm's, <laughs> this guy, Orm, is a real jerk. Oh, he's a real jerk, and he's got, like, even in a mask, you can tell he has a punchable face. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is that the German word for that? Uh, oh, face punchable thing? face thing? Yeah. yeah, I read it in that Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz article, too. Has a punchable but, face. Yeah, Ted Cruz, yeah. Okay, Orm suffers from Ted Cruz's face. Mm-hmm. And he suffers a lot, because Aquaman punches the shit out of him. Aquaman to, or Aqualad. Aqualad okay. in this issue. Aquaman in general, I think, punches him pretty pretty good. I would hope so. Yeah. I'd like to punch him. Maybe not while he's wearing that mask. That looks like it would hurt. It would I don't hurt. have sea strengthened hands. Mm. And you're out of practice from punching helmets. Yeah, I haven't punched helmets in a while. Yeah. I think we talked about that in an earlier issue. Yeah, our, our game where we put on helmets and punch each other. Yeah. <laughs> This is the caliber of mind you're working with, people. Yeah. Enjoy the podcast. Brave. Yes. Brave young men. Yes. Here's the thing that didn't make a ton of sense to me. Sharon. Mm. Coincidence? What about that would be a coincidence? Just that it was her that was involved in the whole thing? No, that, that level of coincidence I'm fine with. Okay. Here's what doesn't make sense to me. Okay, she's met Aqualad at least a few times. She doesn't recognize him in his Aqualad uniform. Maybe that's a byproduct of her selective amnesia, but that seems a little bit off. Because you remember, uniform. it's well, I don't think she's necessarily met him in uniform, but oh, she has met him yeah. when Donna Troy moved in. Yeah, here's the thing: mm. he takes her to the Titans headquarters. She's like, "Who is that guy? He seems familiar, but huh." Oh, well, I'll still do whatever he says and just go where he says because he's a stranger who showed up wearing the most trustworthy outfit ever, a fedora and trench coat, Mm -hmm. at my apartment. He says to go here, I'm going here. I don't even need the John Connor speech, come with me if you want to live. Mm -hmm. But later, Aqualad convinces or bullies the Teen Titans into at least trying to help out Sharon or hearing her story. Mm -hmm. Donna Troy is there. Mm-hmm. In her Wonder Girl outfit. There is no disguise component to her Wonder Girl outfit. Sharon does not recognize the woman that she has been living with for months. That's fucking weird. Yep. Okay. I'm not going to disagree <laughs> with you. <laughs> not looking for you to disagree. Thanks for the input, Corey. <laughs> no problem. Aqualad is a, a more complex character in this issue than he's been in the past in the sense that he's very quick to anger and he's like really on this mission to to get shit figured out but the scene in which he is trying to get into Sharon's apartment she's like she's like ah get away and he's like not listening to her he's like no it's fine what just let me in come on I'm, she's like I'm aqualad i think there aren't maybe any doors in atlantis but here's the other thing that's weird about that she is terrified because she is being pursued by these dudes that she doesn't know why she is horrified to the point of amnesia Mm-hmm. Of them. Mm-hmm. She knows that they are pursuing her. Mm-hmm. Somebody knocks on the door. She is sure that it is them. She goes and answers the door. Hello? Maybe that's a bad move. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not trying to blame the victim here. But Sharon, don't answer the door. Yeah. That's some crazy shit. That's bonkers. Mm-hmm. That was bonkers. But it was just funny to me that she's like, oh my god, go away, leave me alone. He's like, no, what, it's fine, I'm just going to come in. (laughs) Stop freaking out. It's just me, Aqualad. I don't don't think that's enough. Maybe it's just a reaction that Aqualad's never had before. I mean, he's 
as you said, in general, comes across as very unassuming, very nice character, and, and is just... That's not how people react to Aqualad. Yeah, no, I'm a good person. Just let me in. Stop <laughs> freaking out. Yeah, I guess, I guess. I guess. But she she does. And then he punches that dude right through the fucking window. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, whoops. <laughs> I didn't mean to punch him through. Yeah, he forgot about those T-strength and muscles of his. Mm-hmm. He just punched the dude right through the fucking window. I like the, the idea that a guy like Ocean Master, who is like an underwater villain who is trying to take over... I think Atlantis and the Seven Seas in general, at the very least, is a pirate. Still, all of his thugs are just, like, generic, like, Brooklyn gangsters. Can't keep track of their science papers. Oh, man. Always losing their science notebook pages. <laughs> Next time you guys drop one of these, I swear. I'm going to punch you so hard. <laughs> he does. There is a scene where Ocean Master threatens his flunkies because they have dropped... Their science notebook pages. It's like, again? <laughs> you guys are so unreliable. I don't know why they would have that. Again, <laughs> we haven't gotten further in the plot. I don't know why the thugs would need the science notebooks. And if they're in fact scientists and not just standard issue thugs, then I kind of love the fact that they look and talk just like generic thugs. Yep. There was a convention that happened in old radio dramas where all of the bad guys would have generic lower-class Brooklyn accents, Mm. regardless of the level of crook that they were. It's like, oh, this is the corrupt DA. What's he up to? Hey, who's guys gonna be doing something over here? (laughs) Yes, Mr. District Attorney. (laughs) You're gonna say, there's a convention of guys that get together and talk (laughs) in Brooklyn accents and wear trench coats and fedoras. I would go to that convention. I'd do pretty good. I would talk like that when I was there. Hey, he was guys? Yeah, he was guys. Oh. Oh, you do? Well, okay. <laughs> we'll see about that. Oh, real. I'm the district attorney. <laughs> You're uh, you got a little uh, Darby Doiby Dickle. Oh, yeah, well, I threw a little bit of Doiby Dickles in there because he's from Brooklyn too. Is he? Okay. Yeah, he drives a taxi with a Doiby. <laughs> you know, yeah, Doiby Dickles, good bowler. guy. Okay. Well, it's a bowl. Bowl. It's a Doiby. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should seriously look up the character Doiby Dickles. Uh, I didn't make How do you him spell up. D O I B Y. Is that really Dickles? Oh shit! I think so. I, I'm. I, it's been a while. <laughs> he was the golden age sidekick of the Green Lantern, but he drove a taxi, and his name was Doiby Dickles, and yeah. he wore Doiby. Good people. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. He's good shit. Toby Dickles, very much aside. I liked the fact that it seemed like the Titans didn't have a good reason for their bullshit because it never seemed like they had a good reason for giving up their powers and vowing never to use them or wear their costumes. Yeah. I get that they feel guilty, but in this sense, them not feeling like they had a good reason when pushed to the point of trying to explain it made it seem more realistic to me Mm. that it is a reaction to trauma and shock rather than a reasoning thing. And the fact that when Aqualad confronts them and pushes especially Wonder Girl on it, her reaction is, but we we made a vow. Yeah. And she even stammers when she says it, and she says it a few times. It's it's like, but you said you were going to do this. Why are you doing this? We, we, we said we were going to. So uh-huh. we're going to, right? Yeah, it's a- like a, a tautology or whatever. Oh, totally, right? yeah. It's it's red. 
Because but, it's red. Yeah, well, we, we have to. I We we made a vow. Mm. And she keeps repeating that phrase. And it's like she's trying to convince herself. But you can see the wall starting to crack. And I'm, I haven't read ahead, but I'm like 90%. It really seems like next issue. They're oh, they better fucking powers. crack. They got short time. Yeah, they got us. They got to rescue fucking Aqualad. They better. They oh, they fucking better, man. Can you imagine if they don't? How then would they feel about not using their powers? <sighs> oh man, then they would Double have to fun. vow to always use their powers for everything. Mm-hmm. Like I'm only opening jars with my magic lasso. Exactly. Yeah. I have to run at top speed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than I'm extra pretentious dickhead. <laughs> I think he already made that vow. Oh wait, yeah. That's he went to college. You guys, Speedy's apartment is just covered with fucking arrow marks all over everything because yeah. he's like fucking turning on light switches by using his <laughs> archery. <laughs> I would actually not surprise me if Speedy does have a quiver full of like light switch flipping arrows. Oh sure. Yeah. Hey, you guys want to see something cool? Then I got to turn on the light. <laughs> And then he uses his arrow to turn on the light. And then he uses his other arrow to turn on the black light. Mm. And then he shows him his black light poster that he has up. Speaking of black light cool. posters, man, there is some psychedelic uh, trippy artwork in this. There's some great artwork in this. I, I really feel like like the Skeets script really let Cardi be his Cardiest in here. It, it's, it's fucking space. Hey, I... Especially the scene where Lilith is using her powers, yeah, to do the mind meld thing. It's a three three page series where the first one, it's all of these panels that are all like spidering out from a central kind of translucent figure of Lilith's face, and we're seeing the memories kind of filling in in a very dreamlike psychedelic sequence. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And yeah, the ones after that, there, there's a similar like it's these full page spreads that the the panel layouts on them are all just cascading outward from a central image, and it's really cool. And the, the third one is you can see Sharon's eyes superimposed over everything, so it's clear that we're seeing what she saw. And then the final reveal is the critter. Trippy as shit. Yeah, trippy as shit. I I really th- this issue was such a fucking delight and. I don't know how we haven't talked about the cover yet. Boy, I know I've said this a few times before, but best cover yet. Yeah. It's Aqualad punching the shit out of Robin. And as he is punching him, he is saying, You're copping out, Robin, just like the rest of the Titans. I've had it with all of you. And then he is just fucking clobbering Robin right in the goddamn face. Maybe I'm reading into this, but it looked like it was cathartic for Cardi to draw that. <laughs> like, it looks like he's like, yeah, finally I get to get draw Robin and punch his stupid ass fucking Robin face. And on this cover, I'm going to make Aqualad look more like Tom Jones than ever. He really succeeds in that. In, in both regards. Yes. Also, to see Aqualad's face so quickly contorted with just rage is yeah it was almost kind of unnerving actually because like how quickly he just was like this is total bullshit you guys i think it had been building maybe with him because if you look at the idea of hey i went out to go hang out with my friends for a while and then i've been trying to get in touch with my old team 
Like, just let them know I'm coming to town. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm coming back. I, I was babysitting. I mean, sure, I got off to a lot of great adventures in that time. <laughs> I explored the Paschetti Trench. I invented Earth Day. Yeah. I hung out with Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. I was. I took place in the Stonewall Riots. Uh, I watched some Shellavision. Went to Jamaica. I went to Jamaica. <laughs> I had a real baby's day out type scenario where I rescued Aqua Baby from an Atlantean construction site. Mm-hmm. Hub invented a fictional sidekick for me named Beaky the Pelican, yeah. who I love so much. But I was only gone for like a couple weeks. And then I'd try to call and be like, hey guys, so... I'm coming back, and they're gone, and they didn't leave a forwarding address, and they didn't leave a note, and Wonder Girl always leaves a fucking note. Not even a fucking note. It's some bullshit. And the headquarters is dusty as shit. Yeah, man. All his shit. Covered in dust. Thoughtless. It's bullshit is what it is. Mm -hmm. They didn't tell Sharon where they went. She's got to be like, what the fuck am I going to do for rent? Do I sublet? Like... All this stuff's still here. She didn't move her stuff out. She just moved into a goddamn robo-skyscraper. Yeah. How about Mr. Jupiter kicking me down some of his fucking megabucks? Yeah. And uh, maybe paying for this dingy fucking Greenwich Village apartment. Yeah, no, Titans are not being very considerate. No, they are not. So I think there's some mounting frustration on Aqualad's part where he feels abandoned and betrayed by his former team already. And, he just and then when he shows up and they're, and he's like, hey, I need you guys' help to take out pretty much my mentor's arch nemesis. And they're like, yeah, but we're not gonna... They're like, we'd like to help you. We'd like uh, to help, but we're... That's s- when he loses it. We're sad right now. And he's yeah. just like... Fuck you guys. I am Aqualad. I am great. My eyes are purple. Punch. He's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. Wonder yeah. Girl. And then he probably then he probably points at Mal and says, you're cool. Points a little goes, you're cool. And then he goes back to Hawk. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> and then he punches the shit out of Robin. <laughs> then he punches the shit out of Robin, who was not doing anything. I was like, hey. Robin is like, I brought you here. I am wearing my costume and fighting crime. Yeah, he punches Robin because <laughs> he's getting in a, is it Speedy's face? I think it's Hawk, it probably. Yeah. And Robin's like, whoa, whoa, cool down, guys. <laughs> I cool. was like, don't fucking touch me! Smack! <laughs> it's tremendous. <laughs> so, alright. What was your favorite dialogue? Ah, great waves. Where did that come from? He says as a, uh, like a plumbing wrench is Whistling over his head. He does say that. That's a nice. That's a nice time. That's your favorite slang. I think so. I liked it because it's a it's a crazy happening, but it just sounds like a a, a calm, cool, collected way to deal with something. I liked that. Uh, my favorite was when he is punching Ocean Master in his Ted Cruz face, <laughs> and yells, "Hey, you don't seem to be saying much, Orms baby." <laughs> yeah, that was. Funny. I, I like I like calling somebody named Orm Orms baby. That's nice. I also he does berate the Titans pretty well and calls them chickens and cop outs and sissies. Yeah. That was kinda Pick nice. The too. one that fits. Yeah. And they're like, Hey, don't call us chickens and he's like, All right, here's Yeah, here's a list of other... three others. Why don't you choose from that list? Get back to me. Yeah, jerk. I'm paraphrasing slightly. But what? then he punches Robin right in the fucking face. But what's funny about that is the next like couple panels after that, like he's got his arm around Robin. He's like, Sorry, buddy, I kinda <laughs> lost it there. We're cool, okay. Right? 
Okay, you're going to go listen to me. Well, and he thinks that like, okay, once they hear the story, then they'll fucking snap back to it. I know these guys. I fucking grew up with these guys. They're yeah. cool. They just, they've been through, through some shit. Once they hear that they really need to use their powers, they will. And then he tells them the story and fucking Speedy's just like, yeah, here's the thing. We don't, and like, they're trying to come up with excuses as to like, didn't seem like he minded being turned into a critter, so you know <laughs> it's probably cool. Ocean Master seems like a good guy. Yeah, yeah, and that's one, and, then, and that's when he totally he, loses yeah. it, and it's just like, it's like fuck, fuck you guys, I'll do it on my own. I don't yeah. need your bullshit. Um, I'm gonna yeah. go look for a clue. I'm gonna find some science words, and then I'm gonna punch and punch and punch. Yep, and kick and kick and kick. And he's doing so good. He, he does great, except for, I really think his downfall, and maybe Orm's only superpower at this point, is that he has a really punchable face, and that acts as a distraction, so that, like, his generic Brooklyn goons can uh, grab some logs yep. and start knock, thumping. Knock the kid out. Yeah. What was your favorite panel? Oh, this is tough. There is. There were some great ones to choose from. Yeah, and I've got three, so I'm just gonna say okay. three. I think we may have at least one of them in common. I would suspect there is some overlap. And uh, my first one is just one of the most comedic things I've seen in a long time, and it's Aqualad <laughs> and Robin pummeling a guy between the two of them like he's a fucking punching balloon or a tether ball. Oh, totally. Yeah, page 11, I called it double punch. I called it double punch, too. I have double punch page 11 written down. It's one of the car thieves, and yeah, <laughs> he's just making this crazy face, and there's like a quadruple image of him yeah. as you see him bouncing back and forth between the fists of Aqualad and Robin. And yeah, that was really fun. He would technically be dead, too, because of the shape Because of, of Aqualad's sea strength and... Well, the shape of his head is different in, in each of the... I know they're trying to illustrate motion with it, like, bouncing back and forth. But in some it's, like, round. Some of it's an oval. Some of oh, he yeah. looks really surprised. Well, I think in all of them he's pretty surprised. He wasn't... Yeah. Nobody expects that kind of punch action. Back and forth. Oh. Yeah, no, hilarious. Okay, what do you have next? And next is um, page 12, which I titled Very Angry Aqualad, which is the one where after they're, when they're like, no, yeah, sorry, we're not going to help you. And it's a, it just zooms in on his face when he's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, ah! that was a pretty good one. I have one later on that page. And then uh, my final one is page 15, which is the one that you described earlier. That's the full page spread of uh, oh. Lilith's face, yeah. face and uh, in hair with all the kind of tentacles of thought. Man, it's, it's really effective. Really nice syn synergy between artist and writer on that page. And really throughout this issue, the plot moved really quickly in this one mm -hmm. yeah. and was engaging. And mostly, Aqualad's fucking back. Had the cliffhanger, too, where you're just like, it did. It ends and you're like, so I had two of those. I also had Aqualad pummeling Orm. That that if there's a full like page Orm. spread where it's just him continually punching Orm in the face yeah. as he talks shit to him. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that. And then, of course, on page 12, where an enraged Aqualad just punches the shit out of Robin. Yeah. Yep. Just creams him. I figured you'd have to. That is my favorite. Have that one. So... I suspect this is a mere formality. Who's your favorite Titan this issue? 
Yep, I wrote down Aqualad. Yeah, <laughs> of course it's fucking Aqualad. <laughs> Honestly, if he had shown up just wearing a trench coat and fedora in my favorite comic book disguise ever, he still would have won. If he was in one panel wearing a trench coat and fedora, Aqualad wins. But he does so much more. He really is the only Teen Titan that gets any screen time in this issue. It's pretty much all about it's it's a it's an a very Aqualad centric story. Mm-hmm. We see. Wonder Girl repeating the phrase, but we made a vow. Mm-hmm. And we see Speedy doing the same thing. And then really all of the other characters are just background characters in the issue. Yeah. He looks older. They all look older. Mm-hmm. I, I think particularly him, though, because he... I well, think... we haven't seen him in a few months, so that's part of it. I think the others, they've been gradually aging them up mm. and dealing with them as older characters and, you know, putting them in jumpsuits and shit. Which is a thing that DC was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. This was around the same era as the powerless Wonder Girl, the new Wonder Woman, she where she powers. lost her powers and was wearing a jumpsuit and doing some Diana Rigg from the Avengers-style crime fighting. And so I think they they must have gotten some kind of a memo at the time where it's like, super, superpowers are done. We're, we're going in a new direction. And they floated that for a couple issues. And then this is just like, well, rein it in. This is the Teen Titans. We want them in their costumes. We want them doing superpowered stuff. Mm-hmm. And throughout these issues, too, the sidebar panels have been the original Titan lineup in costumes, even though inside of the comic book, mm-hmm. you get Mal, you get Lilith, you get... Mm-hmm jumpsuits mm-hmm. so there's that you got any final thoughts uh I mean, that, it's so weird to skip the what's aqualad probably up to we, I, I know what he's up to he's thinking fuck those guys man i'm tied up against this tree again i'm so sick of fucking villains tying me to things uh, near water and my jerk friends who i thought were my friends yeah they're not his friends wearing stupid jumpsuits off in some rich guy's place god damn it so speaking of rich guys this, this is only tangentially related to Teen Titans. I have a co-worker who is telling me a phrase that is one of my new favorite phrases. She first heard it when she was in Reno. It was said by a drunken aspirational UFC fighter <laughs> who, when they told him that they were going to bed, they had just met him, his response was, sleep is for rich kids. <laughs> Which... He's so fucking true. <laughs> oh, wow. But I love that. And then she said she ran into him the next day and he had no recollection. <laughs> that's a funny drunk thing. That makes it even better. But yeah, that's a pretty great phrase. Yeah. You got anything else? No, I think I think we're we're good. This was just all in all a good issue. Good yeah, this good solid stuff. Good, good storytelling. I'm psyched for this. It's only four issues of the Skeets run on this. But it's a cliffhanger. I need to know what who's going to rescue Aqualad. I, I hope it's the Titans. I hope they get their fucking act together and start using their. Powers Do you think maybe again. the critters are good guys? No, no, critters aren't good guys. Shit. Yeah, fuck that critter. Ugh. Critter's probably a fucking snowboard and psych major. Probably so. <laughs> Sorry, Critters, out there. Yeah, that's not fair. I shouldn't paint all Critters with the same brush. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. I mentioned this earlier. I've just finished doing a podcast a day over at the Traveling Through the Bronze Age podcast. And you should check those out if you're of a mind to. But uh, thank you so much for... I've gotten a lot of feedback on it from a lot of you, and I appreciate that. Thanks. If you need to get in touch with us, ttwasteland at gmail.com. Uh, or check us out on our Facebook page. If you could leave us a positive review on iTunes, it would help people uh, check us out. Our numbers are continuing to grow, and that is gratifying to see. 
Woo, indeed. In <laughs> summation, sleep is for rich kids. Enjoy. Enjoy. And they know it. Let's hear that sentence one more time. Aqualad calls them a bunch of chickens and punches the shit out of Robin.